Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plantplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello and welcome back to the third episode of The Plotting Shed in this new autumn series. And today I thought I would go through the sort of like the trends what what we saw from the shows things you can take away and apply to your garden so that you can be bang on trend ahead of the curve be an innovative gardener uh, be the envy of your neighbors whatever it is you want to be but if these are the things that the gardening world are saying are going to be how we should develop our gardens in the future which are the good ones and maybe which are the ones that we need to think a little bit harder about before we plunge headlong into this new gardening style. And there are a number of fairly clear trends that are happening in the world of horticulture at this point in time that you can bring into your gardens or you can change your gardens over the next few seasons. As I said last week, there is this very definite trend to what the RHS will call naturalistic planting. It's not what I agree with because you cannot lift a wildflower meadow and plonk it in a back garden. It just doesn't work. I would always advocate, don't think of naturalistic planting. Think that you need to allow the plants in your garden to look more natural. Allow them to have a naturalised shape. You can add wildflowers in and amongst the shrubs, like, for example, lichness or scabios or valerian, although that does self-seed, but it is still a very pretty wildflower, the anthriscus, which is a bit like cow parsley. So you can make the garden look less manicured, more naturalised, without making it naturalistic. It does not have to replicate a woodland glade. It does not have to replicate a wildflower meadow or a hedgerow. It still has to be your garden, but you can allow the garden to just look and feel less manicured. And I think that's something that will benefit you and benefit the garden. A second big trend, and it's I'm hoping that now these are going to become more affordable, and, and I think that they, they are, this idea of decorative screens rather than simple trellis. Now, trellis has a place. There are now some very, very beautiful decorative screens, and they can be used in a wide variety of ways. They can be used as a form of garden punctuation. Whereas before you might have had a hedge, in a small garden, having a screen can be a really good stopping point between this part of the garden and the next part of the garden. They don't always have to be these, this caught in steel, you know that sort of rusted steel look. 
you can get screens in all different colours. There's aluminium ones, there's whites, you can get greys, you can get tall thin screens, you can get perspex screens for example. You know, just actually having a coloured piece of perspex in the garden. Again, it's just a, a punctuation point. Without having to put a barrier up, it just gives you a, a way of being able to differentiate between different areas of the garden. They can also be used as privacy screens. So again, you still get the light in because you're not putting up a, a big wall or a big enclosed trellis. You can still get sunlight coming through. And that's one of the lovely things about these, these, these decorative laser cut screens that you get beautiful light play coming through them. So you can put a, a simple screen up that might sit just above your fence that gives you that area of privacy, but it won't shade you. Some of the screens are cut to sort of look like just more lattice work or it may be an open sort of leaf cut or a, a, a geometric shape, but some screens are more solid with larger openings. When you place the screen, when you look through, is there a piece of sculpture the other side? Is there a beautiful architectural shrub? Is there a large colourful pot? Do you have a water feature? What is the purpose of the whole? making you look at. Now one of the other trends which I suppose goes with the fact that they're trying to create this more natural free-flowing garden is a lot of the gardens now are losing this crisp, clean, sharp lines. They're looking to develop much more curvaceous lines. So there are circles, there are curves, there are swirls. These have been put in to give the impression that the garden is more free-flowing and, and natural, but they're not necessarily free-flowing or natural structures. There was a lot of use of these large industrial concrete, I think they're sewage pipes actually, so they're about, they, can, they come in different widths, but they, as a pre-made, ready-made border, if you can get them in your garden, because obviously they're pretty big and heavy, you literally turn these on their side and you have a ready-made circular raised border that you can plant in, which for a small urban garden or a small city garden are fantastic because obviously creating a curved border is difficult. But I would caveat all of that with a little word of caution about a curve. If you are going to use a curve in any garden design, don't just put in a curve for the sake of it. It's got to be an arc. So there is a sweep, there is a line, there is something that draws your eye round the corner. And then the circles can fit in there easily. It also makes mowing more, more easy because the last thing you want is some tiny little fiddly circular lawn to try and, to try and mow round. Now, again, tapping on with this natural theme, the whole thing about gardeners and the plants in the gardens from all of the shows was how unbelievably wildlife friendly they were. Having insects in the garden, having butterflies, having the, the, the moths that come out at night, it adds a whole another level to the enjoyment that you can achieve. Because gardens now, especially in 
towns and cities and urban landscapes, gardens are increasingly becoming a, a little miniature wildlife haven. We can attract hedgehogs if we have the invertebrates and the insects, and we need to make the biodiversity happen in order that the garden is more healthy. If you don't have this biodiversity, you will find that you get more bug infestation because there's no, there aren't any predators in there. So you want to be attracting, as like in any ecosystem, if you have the higher order predators, birds, hedgehogs, frogs, toads maybe, then you know then that you have built a healthy ecosystem from the bottom up. There's enough food for everybody. And that gives your garden something extra. So everything, when you buy plants, just check. Can I see any, can I see any life on this flower? Is it attracting insects? Is it not attracting insects? If 80% of the plants in your garden are good for wildlife, you will have an extremely diverse, biodiverse garden and it will be all the better for it. Now, another good trend, I did this with one of my trees in the garden. I had an olive tree that I bought many, many years ago, you know, just the standard little pot that you get in the garden centre. And I planted it and I used to prune it like a lollipop shape. So I had the main stem and I had this large ball of, of branches and I used to clip round the edge and have this manicured shape. And it kind of used to leave me feeling a little bit flat, to be honest, until two years ago. I thought, no, I'm going to change this. So I started to prune it from the inside out and create a shape where I had more branches and I lifted the canopy upwards. So I took the leaves off the lower level. A third is the main stem, a third is an open branch network and the top third is leaves. What that gives me then now is a much more visually interesting structure to look at. Having multi-stems, is more interesting than a single tree. Now, most of you will have big shrubs in the garden, so you can change these into more interesting shapes. Remove the leaves from the lower down, strip those leaves bare, take out crisscrossing branches so you get this framework of interesting stems, and then you can create something that allows more light down into the garden, but because you've got this open structure of branches, you can uplight them at night. You can wrap solar lights around the, the branches and they, so they come on uh, when the sun goes down. You get the shadows from the branches on the walls. So you get this ability to add a level of interest simply by removing some of the unnecessary foliage. Now I'm only saying that because buying multi-stem trees is quite expensive. If you've already got large shrubs in the garden, it's something that you can do to convert your existing plants to something, just like I did with my olive tree. I shall put a picture of my olive tree on the blog, so you can see, if you go through the link on the show notes, you'll, you'll see it there. You'll see what I've done and you can see how it looks. And I think if you can create a more multi-stemmed, approach to having bigger shrubs and smaller trees in the garden you'll get a lot more interest on top of which it gives birds somewhere to rest as well which again brings more wildlife in 
One of the key elements this year that was quite surprising was the use of really strong, vibrant colours. You had examples of tangerine with royal blue as a wall colour. We had cerise with orange. We had pinks with really dark greys. And again, there were purple and orange flowers. So really bold, bold colours. If you had a wall or a solid structure or something, you made that a really strong background colour. In front of which you highlighted it with a really strong contrasting colour. Paint a really strong blue and then sit in front of it, maybe orange patio furniture or large orange pots but something that captured your visual imagination because of the strong colours. doesn't need to be all over the garden, just one section that you kind of went, look at this, this is something. And with the bright colours, it brought the intensity of the green flower, of the green leaves forward. They were much, much more vibrant. You know, maybe you could use a decorative screen as a really strong punctuating colour point in front of which you then put these bright contrasting colours. But it does make you smile. It does make you feel happy. It does feel a bit more relaxed, actually, as a gardening style. There were two areas about improving the sense of privacy and enclosure that was very prevalent in all of the show gardens this year. And it was basically about how you can create a part of the garden that feels enclosed and encompassing without it being enclosed and enveloping. And the way that they did this was by using open posts or what they call as deconstructed pergolas. So essentially what you are doing is you are creating a sense of privacy without creating a barrier. So there were some very tall posts and they were spaced apart so light can come through, you can grow plants in between and either side of it. And it just, again, like a screen, it gave you a very definite punctuation point in the garden. But because you had these tall posts, you feel like you're protected. The pergola that you had might just be two arches or half an arch. The key thing is this, what structure is enough to make me feel private? and maybe five tall posts is all you need. But the other thing you can do is you can drill insect holes in the posts so that you can provide some kind of habitats. But make sure, just like, do you ever look like with bird boxes, blue tits, for example, are really picky about the size of hole and how big the bird box is. So do your research in terms of how deep the hole you've got to drill is. Because if they're too wide and too shallow, the bees, the solitary bees won't make their nests in them. If I can find a link for the size of holes for solitary bees, I'll put a link on for you. So that then tied in with the next thing that again was in every single garden, that there was some multi-purpose structure that doubled up as maybe a seat or as a, a table, but it was also doubled up as a habitat 
So you had bug hotels that were maybe made out of gabions with the bricks and various things in them so that you could provide habitats for overwintering insects. Obviously that doesn't work as a seat if you don't like spiders and insects, but you can then possibly put that somewhere else in the garden. Hedgehog holes. Every garden should have, especially in some of these modern estates, should all have hedgehog holes to allow these beautiful little creatures to have free reign between all of our gardens. It will benefit everybody. And the last big trend that within a lot of the gardens, which I have to say, I think you need to think a bit more carefully before you suddenly go, yeah, we'll do one of these, were water troughs. Everyone had water troughs, whether they were zinc water troughs, there were some round ponds, a bit like sort of giant fire pits, you know, that sort of shaped urn filled with water, which looks lovely as a reflecting pool and you can have the odd plant in them and they were just this stillness and calm and they're lovely in a show. They're fabulous in a show. But don't forget, they're in a show and you haven't had the chance for leaves to fall in there and bits to fall in there and duckweed to start to get in there. If you want to have these troughs of water for their reflecting and light properties, you need to think really carefully about detritus. What's going to blow in? How much of time am I going to spend cleaning this out? What happens when I get the slimy green weed and the algae and the snails get in there and all the other things? that are going to turn this lovely crystal clear water a, a murky colour. There are natural dyes that you can put in to make the water more black so it can reflect, but it only works as a reflection if there's nothing floating on the top. All of those things, they, are, they look beautiful, but they're not no maintenance. Think about where you're putting them and what you want from them because they can quite easily turn into a murky mosquito ridden pool of water that doesn't actually deliver what you want. But on the whole, all of the gardeners and everything about the show gardens, the way that horticulture is, is moving, the way the design trends are moving is much more relaxed and that's a good thing. And I think probably the underlying principle behind all of it is this. The garden is all about one thing, about delivering what you need it to deliver. And as long as it delivers what you need it to deliver, it floats your boat, it makes you feel the way that you want to be, then anything goes. The definition of a garden is, is broader than it used to be. It is less judgmental than it used to be. And if your garden delivers for you and it delivers for wildlife in your locality, then you're on a winner as far as I'm concerned. So be bold, but be you. And on that note, next week, we are going to start delving down a bit more into design problems. So where you've got awkward shaped gardens or shallow gardens or narrow gardens or wonky gardens, or you've got gardens that are just 
overlooked by everybody or surrounded by trees you don't get any sunlight in. How can you make gardens work in these specific circumstances? So that's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the series, some real design tips and hints to help you transform your garden over this autumn so next year it's going to be even better. So have a lovely week and I will speak to you soon. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.